Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dc news 35 that's dc n-e-w-s 35 dc news 35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com Number 101 of the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack. I love that sort of enthusiastic, rising to the moment feeling our music has. And man, if you think that's great, if this is your first time around or you're still kind of getting used to the whole uh, way things work, well, don't worry. For starters, those planes flying overhead, they're, they're just planes. They're kind of part of the fabric. And for the most part, they, they offer a, a little bit of an ambiance. Um, perhaps the sound of your imagination and your ability to close your eyes, draw yourself into each one of these stories, just like I did when I was a kid reading these books, as I do now when I... I think about that wonderful possibility when the real world isn't as cold or unforgiving. And the elements of hope that we sometimes do experience in real life are brought to the page and, again, to our imagination. So, for the planes in the background and the soaring, I hope that's a, a great sort of lift for you. And then, as I mentioned, if you like the whole music thing, wait till we get to our ad break. Our uh, editor-in-chief, Josh Rayner, the man knows how to put together an amazing collection of ads. They'll pick you up, they'll lift you along, they'll make you laugh. Um, they might make you cover your mouth once or twice with a chuckle, only to have that great music soar out for us and us to pick up three, four, and five. This is the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. The reason I said three, four, and five is because I pick my top five books each and every week for DC Comics News. They're the books from DC Comics, and I give you my first two. We take an ad break, and then we get through the remaining three. This is episode number 101, as I mentioned, and we are covering all the books this week that came out for the week of April 13th, 2021. I don't know if I'm ever going to get tired of saying that year. I would imagine it would be the same after any other year of oh, so much cataclysmic <laughs> upheaval that 2021 just feels like one of those years of you, you made it. You got through to the other side. 
hopefully, we're all ready for what's in store. I know I am. That's why I'm happy to lead off my first choice for this week, Sweet Tooth, The Return, number six. This lovely story by creator, writer, artist Jeff Lemire has taken a character he first introduced years ago and brought it back to life while bringing the character into the world through completely new developments. And through that, my goodness, uh, Jose Villarubia, beautiful color, Steve Wan's letters, Lemire and Villarubia providing the uh, really fun cover, this sort of reminder of who's at the heart of this, this young boy Gus, his friends Earl and Penny, and how they are so much of the reason things are actually happening in this story. The adults around them have had to fight to sustain, maintain, and survive in an environment that I'm sure at times might feel like it mirrors our own, or at least what we went through in this past year. There's that feeling of being underground, locked away from the rest of the world. Up above is a terrifying place at least as it's described by that man who's in charge, his name is Father, and he's the one who brought Gus into being and is actually manipulating his ability to exist down below as well as above with the other animal-human creations known as hybrids, which is why he has also been developed and treated with a compound that makes him a walking virus, a uh, typhoid Mary, as the reference is made to someone who got sick, poisoned a well, and poisoned a whole town, or whatever variation you have on that myth, or story, or legend, or however you choose to encapsulate it. The idea behind Father was to take a similar idea and send it off into the world, Forgetting, of course, that it was a person, a being, a living, breathing consciousness named Gus, nicknamed Sweet Tooth, with memories that come from another life. And maybe this is the part why Bruno's doing a little bit of a slumber snore there. We had a nice walk this morning. He's a bit sleepy, so if you catch him doing the snorts, well, it's 101 episodes. He's been around more than a few occasions. You've gotten used to him, I think. So there's Bruno hanging out with me and thinking back to Sweet Tooth, it's it's really a significant moment for him because those around him have been as much affected as he has by his upbringing. They've watched this kind, generous soul turn into a kind, generous young person and never losing any of that that goodness that wholesome, that genuine authenticity, that that personality that reminds anyone who interacts with him that whatever he might be viewed as by father as a tool or a weapon or something else, he's a living, breathing, loving, caring creature. And that is at the heart of this great issue, this number six in this short series that does so many things so wonderfully. For starters, I mean, 
Jeff Lemire's art is signature. There's only one person who draws like him, and that's him. And when he does it, it captures the the subtlety, the nuance of emotion and expression. It feels unfiltered. It feels uh, a bit rough and unrefined, but for that also, so honest, so almost urgent, like the desire is to simply get the images down on the page. And then there's this lovely theme that runs through this issue, the idea of what kind of story this is, whether it's a story about a boy who never knew what was real and what wasn't, about people who were lost deep down below, in the scariest of places, a story about old things, a story about memory, a story about friendship. It's a story about all of these things, and it's for that reason that it is a great story. It's for that reason that Gus and Mel and Penny and Earl and all of the people at this series has just, I mean, essentially (laughs) made so wonderful that, at least for me, they, they take up a place in the heart. They, they become characters you want to remember, if not just for the ideals that they represent, but for their desire to uphold them and for the people they are before they commit to that desire. These are great characters. They're wonderfully brought to life. I love uh, Villarubius's colors, the muted feeling of different places in the underground, the jarring reds, orange, yellows that sort of uh, signify the violence occurring around and the <laughs> the sort of stark way that when everyone is face to face, there's this challenge that says, okay, uh, who are we? Are we what Father tells us we are or are we something more altogether? Uh, the voices are so well rendered by the uh, wonderful letters of Mr. Steve Wands. They, uh, they make the voices feel so important, and they also feel like <laughs> they're, the letters are being drawn while speaking a word aloud, speaking the words aloud and trying to capture each intonation into each stroke of the pen or the pencil or whatever it is letters use when they're when they're doing that i'm not one to say i know the craft i'm I'm just saying how well i think it works in this book and why i'm so happy to start things off with sweet tooth the return number six with the first book out of the way it's so easy for me to jump right into my second choice and that is wonder woman number 771 Consumed by Fear. Ooh, such a lovely cover. One that shows Diana, because she seems to have forgotten now that she is in this place, of Valhalla, that eh, not all it's cracked up to be with some things happening in the lurking shadows. And Diana doesn't remember herself as Wonder Woman. She remembers herself as Diana and as a warrior. But since she's been there, she's made friends. She has fought for people that she believes in. And because of that, she is also doing her best to remind the bravest and the wisest what it is that they're all supposed to be fighting for. 
Now, she finds herself fighting verbally first with the mighty, mighty Thor. <laughs> and, and she's arguing with him that he's not paying attention to what's happened. And she's fairly certain that she actually shouldn't be there because she was not a follower, a disciple, or one who devoted her life to the Asir, the, uh, the Norse gods as they're known. And it's troubling her that Thor knows Siegfried and would, it seems, as his friend, care about what's happening to him or the fact that he hasn't returned. Thor is too busy drinking and partying and simply tells Diana she doesn't know what it is that she's talking about and he doesn't have the patience to deal with her. And he also gives an interesting warning about the uh, little friend that Diana has found. You might recognize this squirrel chipmunk-like creature who wanders up and down the Yggdrasil. Uh, tree of life, the one that can pass between all the many realms, and who seems to have a lot of knowledge and is using that to help guide Diana towards, well, something that no one else is able to pay attention to. And then there are moments when Diana will either die and come back to life or simply lose consciousness. And when she does, there is someone who is calling out to her, someone with arms raised, someone who is always a silhouette faded in the distance, and who is offering a message that points out what Diana has understood to some degree, the idea that she doesn't belong in Valhalla. She is not part of the Asgardian myth. This should not be where she ends up. But then she's back into this land and fighting. And because of this, she must go up against quite a host of enemies, whether it's Merc Elves, whether it is Dr. Psycho, who is interestingly enough only an astral projection and yet able to access all of the many things available in this plane and potentially others and who <laughs> doesn't like the name Dr. Psycho is quick to reveal all that he knows to Diana through the lasso and we then get the chance to see Diana come up against quite a dangerous foe one who offers answers but also a, a grave threat, and an Odin, who is very unlike the Odin I am most used to seeing in comics and other media. And this Odin is uh, <laughs> quite fun, especially when he says, well, you can call me Woden or Wotan or Wednesday or, you know, whatever. And then refers to Thor as a bit of a dunderhead, but he means well, which is sweet and fatherly. I... I love the fact that there is also the suggestion that others know what it is Diana is trying to do. Okay, now for that one, I did have to uh, pause it for a sec. That was a chopper who was hovering around nearby in the area, and man, he simply would not go away. So, 
back to our story. Yeah, Diana is is being helped by others among her who recognize what it is she's trying to do and how what's going on is affecting them and why they can be of aid. These include fair feathered fowl and their offspring and an offering and a plot hatched between Diana and Ratatosk. That would be the chipmunk squirrel figure who knows so much about Yggdrasil and has come up with a uh, rather ingenious plan. How well will it work? Well, the dangerous thing about serpents is they're kind of sneaky and a bit crafty. So this could turn into, well, uh, a well-constructed and executed plan, or it could turn into just more absolute chaos. What the uh, (laughs) end result will be, well, that's going to be an interesting one. This was Afterworlds Part 2. This one was written by Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cloonan. Art by Travis Moore, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, letters by Pat Rousseau, and original cover by Moore and Bonvillain, with a variant cover by Joshua Middleton. And one of my favorite things about this story is the fact that it's got a backup story. That's right, leaning back in my chair, all squeaky as can be, Young Diana in Lessons Learned, with a great story by Jordi Belair, with art by Paulina Ganchu. Ooh, Ganusho. Boy, I, I did bad on that. Sorry, Paulina Ganeshu. Sorry to anyone who heard me just do so poorly. I'll, I'll do that sometimes. It's just the way it is. <laughs> Colors are by Kendall Good with letters by Becca Carey. And I think this is a really great story that captures some of the wonder that we've seen about young Diana. It's It's been in a few different stories now, whether it's original graphic novels or in the, uh, well, celebratory anniversary issues that have come out, those great anthologies where Diana is such a treat. And <laughs> this one is a lot of fun because young Diana is being encouraged to learn from inside when what she really wants is to be outside, loving, living, playing, having a great old time. And man, it's it's a bit of a chuckle for me to see the story, see how it's going to play out, and also a discovery that she and her companion on this sort of journey are about to uncover, maybe perhaps more than they're supposed to, about some of the mysteries when it comes to the mascara and the history of the Amazons. That's my second choice, Wonder Woman number 771, which means it's time for us to take a quick ad break, bring you all the great stuff coming your way, and more that you should know about and can be a part of, and then I'll be back with my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Stick around as soon as you hear the cool jazz music fade out. That's when you'll hear me pick it back up. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35 that's D-C-N-E-W-S 
3-5. DC News 35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Hi everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nerds. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents... Mad Love. The Harley Quinn Cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. 
What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cup. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And just like that, the ad break is over. That cool jazz music has faded away, and as promised, I'm here with your third, fourth, and fifth choices. Well, my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Oh. Looks like my uh, pit bull Fiji has decided to join. I hear some sniffling. I hear some snuffling. Perhaps her and Bruno will have to fight over the same sunny spot. Let's see how this shakes out. Well, I'm going to have to feed you more info on that action as it develops. For the moment, yes, she stole the sunny spot. The uh, French bulldog gave it up. And now there's just some sniffling and snorting. And man, it's the soundtrack of my life. And... For the spinner rack, it's just one of those staples you can always look forward to. Just like the fact that now that the ads are over and I can pick up my third choice, that one is going to be Batman the Detective number one. I love this story, and I love the introduction to it. Tom Taylor bringing out a really cool concept, one in which Batman has been around for a while. And... Tom Taylor's story matched by Pencils and Inks from Andy Kubert with colors by Brad Anderson. Yeah, that's the Brad Anderson, the same guy you heard here on the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast is one of our amazing interviews. Letters by Clem Robbins with a main and varying cover by Kubert and Anderson. So, with Bruno snoring behind me, the sunny spots squared away between he and Fiji, I can talk to you about a story that opens with a plane crash and... There's a reason why all those people involved were on that flight and why it is that anyone cares that they're there or why it is that Batman is paying such attention. Now, the uh, other thing to take note of when it comes to this story is the fact that the flight and its 
well, its eventual ending, designated or originated in Gotham and was designated for London before it went down. Those who caused it to crash wore and wear masks that look very similar to the cowl of Batman, although very different. And for that, you're going to want to see this. This is one of those great moments where that art team I was just talking about can bring so much to life because what they are offering, what they are telling, what they are sharing and showing is a really impressive sort of juxtaposition to Batman, a counter. And that's always one of the big things going on in Batman stories. Who are his nemeses that are opposites of what he wants, what he does, what he believes in, what he stands and fights for? And why are they so vehemently opposed to him? So this appears to be an act that allows them to sort of challenge what Batman thinks he has accomplished and also try and reset the counter to zero. Now, some cool moments along the way. We get a guest appearance of the uh, ephemeral kind and one who attempts to play a role until Batman pulls on a pair of gauntlets and then really impresses the squire who is working with the knight. And (laughs) it was the knight who was on the flight and somehow survived the chaos that was uh, created by the saboteurs and who is now in grave danger by those same saboteurs. Now, Batman is nothing if not resourceful and resilient, especially when uh, he is traveling, especially when it comes to protecting those who he cares about. The biggest challenge is he's now caught between trying to solve a very interesting detective mystery, one that will bring into question, once again, why it is that he continues to do what he does and does it actually make a difference. It's a really great story. It's a great introduction to this six-part little sort of uh, mini-series by Tom Taylor, and it's a great take on the character by Tom Taylor with that amazing art team that I mentioned before. Highly recommend this. It's why it's my uh, choice for this week's top five. Number three, which brings us around to my fourth choice. And for that one, I I went with American Vampire, 1976, issue number seven. Scott Snyder has brought back Skinner Sweet and in doing so uh, collaborated on this story with the amazing Francesco uh, Francovia. Tula Lote and Ricardo Lopez Ortiz with Dave McCaig joining the squad. And (laughs) for this one, part seven of Interlude Family Trees, it is Tula Lote providing the art and colors uh, for the story or the segment Root, art and colors by Francesco Francovia for the section Trunk, And for the section limb, Ricardo Lopez Ortiz providing the art and Dave McCaig with the colors. All the stories are written by Scott Snyder, the original cover by Rafael Aberquerque, lettering by Steve Wands, and the variant cover by Jorge Fornes. Um, They're both gorgeous covers, by the way. I I highly recommend if you're collecting this one, you're, you're probably already getting both, but the first one, 
great concept of a skull with roots, as well as the second, which is a lovely splash to the horse-drawn carriage era. Now, one of the things I really love about this story and this issue is the sense and scope of history. Whether you believe it or not, whether I do, scope, history, all are fairly relevant things, especially for creatures like vampires. Time is such a, well, malleable thing, and one that is measured differently when you can last for decades, if not centuries. And it is at Mount Vernon, Virginia, 19, sorry, 1799, that we get a new twist on the story of a young, or sorry, not so young, George Washington. Someone who has... (laughs) A meeting coming, but instead gets a visit begging him as only offspring can to not take that meeting. And then we have this great time jump to May 1973 in New York. New York, dangerous, uh, somewhat foreboding, especially for a uh, cowpoke wearing a hat with a young lady who they are both there to meet a young lady with information. Now, there's a great conversation about what they're going to do with it and where it's going to lead, but then we drop back a few years to the Florida Everglades, December of 1970, and a moment between two, well, (laughs) two really fun characters who have a great time chatting it up, sharing some memorabilia, talking about a band called Bite Them Back, and talking about some things that I can't actually repeat here because this is still a PG uh, (laughs) family-style program. And with that, I can only say, if you've liked what's been happening in American Vampire, or you're curious and you're wondering what it would be like to drop in, this is quite a fun issue where you would enjoy yourself without even knowing too much about what's going on and along the way enjoy some great art some great story and maybe even find yourself intrigued enough to catch up on the first six chapters and see where this wild roller coaster will take you american vampire 1976 number seven that there is my fourth choice for this week's episode which means it's time for my fifth and final Are you ready? No need to leave you in suspense any further. I'm happy to share that my fifth and final book is Superman, number 30, in a story, part one of The One Who Fell, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Scott Godlewski, a variant cover by Inyuk Lee, colors by Gabe Eltrape, letters by Dave Sharp, and the original cover by John Timms. I love the way this story opens with the suggestion that this is a moment that takes place before Superman left Earth, potentially for what he fears may have been the last time. So we're already in that potential future suggested by Future State, and it's Clark having a great memory of being with Lois and John and about the need to take on an adventure and travel across the universe. And the way A father looks at his son the way that it is suggested here by Philip Kennedy Johnson, how Clark looks at his son Jonathan as this miracle, someone who can do more things than his father was ever aware of, let alone capable or possible of. 
Now, from that, we also get this great story in which a race from Superman's past who speak in a way that you have to read to experience have called for his help and wish to reveal the passing of a great leader. Through that, we also get the introduction that, man, there's a, there's a different way of doing things depending on where you are and how on this planet emotions are different. Concepts like love and affection uh, don't really... Oh, now my pitbull Fiji is scratching. Oh, she's embarrassed looking away. I didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> how these different emotions that we are so familiar with don't exist conceptually for this race. But that there's also something to be wary of. That that there is a succession of son to father, which is a, an interesting prelude to what we can anticipate coming for John and Clark. Whether it comes soon or whether it comes late, what matters the most is that there's another reason than why they were originally called. There is something dangerous awaiting everyone, and it's something that even Superman and Jonathan will be put to the test when it comes to uh, confronting. I also love the fact that for all of the like kind of spooky, scary, dark, and ominous, this story leaves off with it to be continued, but then we get this awesome Tales of Metropolis ambush bug story with uh, writing by Sean Lewis, art by Sam Basri, sorry, Sammy Basri, Ulysses Ariola providing the colors, and Dave Sharp with the letters. Uh, it's Bibbo telling a story. Wait, is he telling a story about him, or is he telling a story about ambush bug or is it about both uh <laughs> there's a meeting jimmy olsen is holding with a lot of superpowers trying to explain who two of the uh dangers they should be worried about whether it's one known as projectress or another known as deadstream that's right deadstream who can merge with liquids until he tries to take on ambush bug and learns wow it's not always a good idea, especially when Ambush Bug reveals not only to the reader, but also eventually to his uh, <laughs> enemy, otherwise known as, <clears throat> once again, Deadstream, that teleportation is one of his skills, and that in a place called the Hygroscopic Realm, Ambush Bug rules all what he is capable of, and what he discovers from his, well, rival, is something that the entire team will need to hear and will send us into our next chapter in which Gangbuster and Loose Cannon appear to go head-to-head, toe-to-toe, if not ego-to-ego. It's hilarious, and as one DC Comics News reader reviewer said ambush bug steals the show and you know what he really does it's quite awesome and i highly recommend you adding it to your list of books if you didn't read it give it a glance give it a consideration and of course keep in mind that you can either pick up all these books or if you happen to miss them and you enjoy things like the uh, dc universe infinite well they're all going to be available in the digital form and then there's those great lcs's and other places where you can always track down books like this this has been my top five picks for the week of April 13th 
here on DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 101. Please keep in mind, if you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, review, make sure you are always getting the newest updated content from DC Comics News Podcast Network, whether it's new episodes of the Spinner Rack, I'm 101 strong and not looking to stop anytime soon. Episode by episode breakdowns of great shows like Batman the Animated Series and Harley Quinn, as referenced in the ad break earlier. Uh, New stuff coming your way. Trust me. I've been talking about it forever, but Felicky Fashions is, it's, trust me, it's coming. And then, of course, content you can check out on the video side with DC's newest DC and After Dark on YouTube. That's Kelly Gaines and Tony Hasty. Folks, we got stuff coming your way. We want to make sure you know you can be a part of it in all the ways you can. So wherever you're listening, whatever you're choosing to enjoy us, just subscribe so you never miss out. Rate us so we know what you think. And lastly, talk to us if you get the chance, feel like there's something you want us to know or something you want to share. It's at dccomicsnews.com. Well, it's actually at DC Comics. That's the at sign, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. Use that on any social media platform from Facebook to Instagram to Tumblr to YouTube to you name it. And when you do, we'll get your message, we'll share it with the whole team, and then we'll share it with the world. We want to have a great conversation with you. We're looking forward to all the things you have to share with us. Until then, we only have one other thing for you to keep in mind, and that is to always read more comics. Talk soon.